Looking to create wealth and income through high cash flowing real estate? Self-storage is the fastest growing and the newest real estate asset that has outperformed all others. What's its secret? I'm AJ Osborne, and with over a million square feet that we have built, acquired, expanded, and even converted big box stores from small third-tier markets to large hundred plus thousand square foot facilities, we have seen it all. This is the podcast that we're going to discuss and bring on the best investors and operators in the nation to show you how to create wealth and income with self-storage. Welcome to Self-Storage Income. Welcome everybody to Self-Storage Income, the podcast where we talk about nothing except self-storage. Well, I mean, a few other things, but really, we are obsessed with self-storage. That's the topic. That's what we're talking about. And of course, that involves things like wealth, that involves increasing your income, and all sorts of stuff. But we are absolutely obsessed and in love with self-storage. Self-storage has saved my family's financial life. Um, I owe a lot to the industry, and it's allowed me to grow. We have over a million square feet of self-storage. Um, and we've been able to do so many things. We, you know, we've, uh, it's allowed so many experiences for us um, and my family as we've come into this and built out our management company to really operate these assets and being involved in different aspects of the industry, um, including working with vendors and being a part of store local associations, um, doing conversions, ground up developments, and turning around to underperforming facilities. Um, we've seen so much that, you know, we, we've really tried and seen things that worked and things that didn't work. Uh, you know, we, I think there's a lot of misunderstanding. I go down to you know Southern California and you see these huge facilities and these guys are like, oh, this was my first facility. You know, we weren't like that. You know, to back up a little here, I'm here with my co-hosts, Stephen Connor, and we're really happy to, you know, we were making a YouTube video and um, as we were talking about this, Connor was, you know. He's like, we need to make a a podcast about it. I'm like, this is a great idea because through this experience, you know, we started out in third tier markets. So we didn't, we didn't, it wasn't one of those things where we, you know, built this ginormous, beautiful facility. We were out in a really rural market. Um, It was a small facility. Wait, are you telling me that you didn't start out on the top? I know it's weird. (laughs) I know. <laughs> There's a process? Uh, like, we actually made mistakes, um, and Dang. we had to learn how to do this. Crazy. It's totally crazy. Uh, but, it, you know, they were dirt. It was just it was out in the middle of nowhere. It, anybody that knows Bonners Ferry, Idaho, you know, there's more grizzlies than people. And um, it was on the outskirts of that town. Not in it. <laughs> not downtown. And not downtown next to the gas station on the one road. It was out on the outside <laughs> of that. So, uh but no, I mean, um, we we learned really quickly the subject that we're going to talk about today, um, that self-storage is not a real estate asset. And I know a bunch of people just got mad and yelled at me in my car. Um, you're insane, like, AJ. You're an idiot. You're crazy. Um, please don't turn this podcast off. Wait, let, let us get to the point. We've got yeah. some explanations. Exactly. It's Not okay. that it changes it. It's okay. But <laughs> <laughs> It'll be all right. That's right. So um, the reason, I guess, to, to, to kind of dive into this, and I, and I talk um, at SSA, and I've spoken on this. I'm speaking this. For um, those that don't know, 
what is SSA? So uh, the Self Storage Association, it's the large association. I, you have ISS and SSA. I speak at both of them on this topic, and that's why uh, it, it is such an important topic and discussion for us because I think it, it is the driver of success that we've had in this industry that we wanted to make a whole entire podcast on it. And two, it was one that me and Connor wanted just us on here and we really wanted to dive in and focus on it because um, we need to spend some time on it. Um, but the, the large um, storage association, um, they hold them uh, conventions down in um, Vegas, if you haven't gone to them and you're looking at getting into the industry, you need to go in, uh, go check it out. But I, I've spoken on there, and that is this idea that, um, you know, I started talking about this a long time ago. My background wasn't in real estate, um, and we don't believe that self-storage is a real estate asset class like traditional real estate. Um, uh, self-storage is a fully functioning business that I would argue acts more like retail than it does real estate. It is not a lease up and walk away. Um, you have customers, you sell products, you have insurance, you're, they're coming in and out. It's month to month. Um, we, we work with businesses that use this. There's lots of things going on. We have personnel. You know, We're trying to be on a main street. We have good frontage. We do marketing. We have revenue management. Um, I, I think it, we're, uh, we're closer to hotels than any other real estate asset class. Um, that's, you know, you have brand names. We, we create and are trying to make brand names in self-storage. Um, but hotels, they focus on operations. Like they're creating a customer experience. And if you're not trying to create a customer experience in self-storage, um, you're losing customers. And I know, I know it sounds weird, first of all, that you would you'd say create a customer experience because it, it's it's a box, right? I mean, well, too that would that would sound crazy to somebody that does have this idea that uh, investing in self storage is going to be this super passive, non business function type investment that they can just go and buy and let it run itself essentially. Which, again, like you're talking about, it's it's much more retail focused. Um, much like hotels. Well, and we hear it all the time. Yeah. People are like, oh, well, there's no toilets. I, I got into it because I wanted something passive. And so I, I you know, I didn't want to deal with uh, tenants um, in apartment buildings. So I got into self storage, which it isn't bad in itself. Mm -hmm. I get right. it, right? Like, I, I, I agree. That's why I got into it too. And it's not that it can't be passive, but there, I think there's a lot of misunderstandings on how you accomplish that, what that means. And for a lot of people, you have to pay a lot of money to get to that point. Oh, for sure. And you're you're probably dealing, I'd venture to say that you're dealing more with tenants and issues with tenants in self-storage much more than you would a com uh, apartment complexes. I'd agree 100%. Yeah. I think in apartment complexes, when you deal with it, it's usually um, like higher dollar amounts but as far as frequency goes, mm -hmm. no way. I mean, yeah. we have call centers. We have employees on the ground. We have um, online capabilities. And we have our management team just to work with our customers and tenants um, all the time. Um, you don't put that much resources as far as 
personnel and time indiv uh, individuals into an apartment com complex like you do um, with self-storage. And you got people coming in every day, right? They just come in and out. We have our online marketing campaigns to drive people into our facilities. You're just not doing those business activities in commercial uh, real estate or apartments. Once again, it acts much more like a hotel. For sure, for sure. As we dive into this, to, to make this clear, what we're saying is that self-storage is not this real estate, this passive real estate investment asset. It is a business, and you run it and operate it like a business. Yeah, it, you need to go into it ready to do that. And a lot of people, how they bypass this, and let me cover how it's passive first. Let's just get this out of the way, then we can move into the rest. So... People that are looking to be in the industry, but they want it strictly passive, they go with third-party management, right? That's the new thing. This is a big change. We're going to go over a little history real quick. And we, I was with the um, old uh, CEO of Public Storage uh, a few weeks ago at our large owner. Oh, geez, that was like a month and a half ago now. But at our large owner council down in Vegas. And it was funny because they asked uh, him and uh, the old CEO of uh, I think it was Life Storage, um, what they thought about third-party management. Um, and what he said shocked me. He said, I think it's the worst thing that's ever happened to the industry. No kidding. And we're looking at him, I'm like, what are you, you guys created it, <laughs> right? I mean, it, it was the REITs. They're the ones that really, and, and two, let me, let me be clear when I say they created it. It had been there. People were doing it. But what extra space did, what, you know, Uncle Bob and, and Life and, you know, Cube Smart and uh, um, NSA and all these other ones that have really come in, they've centralized the functions of managing their own facilities and they've done it mass and then farmed that out and charged it. It was at a whole new level. And before the recession, you didn't have a lot of institutional players that got into self-storage. Uh, so institutional money means um, money, we're talking Wall Street hedge funds, um, people that syndicate uh, large funds for only the investment purposes and um, not uh, specifically even in real estate. So you get pension funds, things like that, right? Um, but this institutional-based capital didn't go into self-storage because um, they didn't want to manage it, right? They looked at it and they're like, this is operationally a nightmare. And who wants to spend that much time on such a small asset class to run it? Mm. And they invested in hotels. Why? Because you could put money into a hotel and you take the franchise. Well, it's not a franchise. It's an, uh, you get the brand name, you get everything else, and you get an operating company, which is, you know, so the brand name Marriott. You get all the tools, all the goodies, and then you have an operating company that can manage it. So you're getting this brand, right? It has staying power. So, um, you know, even though they fluctuate um, as far as occupancy and returns go, they're a little more volatile um, in self-storage, it was still more institutionalized. It was more predictable. So before 2008, um, Wall Street didn't play for two reasons. Um, that and also the models that generated for them to predict out the returns, right, that they're looking at and seeing. Self-storage had never been tested like other real estate asset classes because it had never been tested through a long-term debt cycle. 
So to give, give you an example here, and, and I'm getting a little down in the weeds, but I think it's really important if you're in cell storage to understand the history. And especially if you're coming in now, you need to understand that pre-08 was very different. Um, and the reason, once again, is you didn't have institutional players at large in it and uh, investors. Um, then also, or and the reason they weren't in it was the management side. And then their models couldn't project long-term debt cycles. The long-term debt cycles happen like one, once every 75 years. We're talking great... Depression, Great Recession, right? Um, recessions are short-term debt cycles, uh, which are generally predictable and controlled by the government through monetary policy, through interest rates and pulling the monetary levers to um, either expand or contract money supply in our economy. Um, that is controllable, so you know we, we get that. But long-term debt cycles are not controllable. That's when the wheels fall off the wagon, right? That's when monetary actions by the government fail. This is scary because the government loses control of the economy. And so you need to understand how assets may perfect or the risk could be huge. Well, after 08, the models now they understood perfectly because they had a large base of self storage that was existing that had gone through this great recession and they could see. And so they could say, okay, now I can project out how assets might look. But even more importantly, once you got past 2010, you had people like Extra Space that went in hard and said, listen, I'll make you a deal. You own the asset, but we'll come in as a management company. We'll take 6% plus fees and insurance things, everything like that, but we're going to run it. You don't have to do anything at all. And look how big we are. We're a billion-dollar company plus, and we have all of these you know, marketing and advertising. So we're like Marriott, right, so to speak institutional money can now play, pours into the industry, changes the industry a lot. Uh, the self-storage industry in the last 10 years has changed more than probably any other real estate asset class um, in the United States. It is nothing like it was through the 90s, obviously 80s and 70s, it was just coming up. Um, but now this is good and bad. This created opportunity but it also created larger institutional players to come into markets and compete against regional and smaller players. Um, and two, it set a new standard. And it changed, most importantly, the way consumers view self-storage. Expectations were changed now. I mean, I was down in Florida, dude, and we're I was in um, uh, right above uh, Naples, down there on the Gulf side, you know, mm. and we had a gym that we owned. Um, so we owned franchise gyms and we owned like 14 of them, uh, locations at the time. And we had a bunch of gyms. So I was down there and I'm driving on the main street over to our gym. It was right next to the water. Just beautiful. Over there. I'm from Idaho. So I'd go down there in January, February. And so I'm driving past it. Look up. And there is an extra space there that looks like a hotel. I mean, it's like four stories, beautiful palm trees everywhere, just gorgeous building. And I'm looking at that just going like, holy cow, how much did it take to build that thing? Right. Um, and cities, they say, listen, you're going to build this or you're not going to build it at all. But they can charge for it now. And two, in most first-tier markets, class A assets of self-storage exist all over. And it's a whole new ball game. I mean, it was never like this before. 
Um, and so customers, they expect this really good experience, both online and while they're in their renting. They, they mm -hmm. expect and they're okay paying for quality, right? So if you're getting in self-storage or you're in self-storage, you're competing on this level. And that, you know, people are go getting into it in a passive way that wasn't available before. Now, that's the first way it can be passive, as in if you farm out the operations, okay? Third-party management. Third-party management. Now, that comes with a fee that is very big in almost all cases. Of course. <laughs> so <laughs> um, that's taking a huge percentage of return. Now, there, you can do it the other way. And the other way is like we do, right? We self-manage. Um, and we built our management company as we grew. Um, can you compete with the REITs when you, while you self-manage? Yes, you can. In fact, you can compete very, very well. Um, we have markets where our asset is in the same market as REITs and our rates are higher. And we are very occupied. Um, so 90 plus percent in some of our markets. Um, so you can, you can do it extremely profitable. We don't invest in anything that we're not getting at 20, uh, percent, you know, cash on cash, um, plus return. Now that obviously we are buying underperforming and turning them around, but, um, when we approach it, we look at it as a business and how operationally we're going to change it. Um, and you've seen this, I mean, Hayden's a perfect example, but, mm -hmm. of changing, not only the outside, but also how we operate them inside. Right, right. Well, like the last podcast, we talked a little bit about overlaying that operational strategy going in, you know, repairing something both, again, physically, the, the physical asset itself, and then overlaying that operational structure onto that facility. I mean, that is the value-add strategy. That That's how you get that 20% cash-on-cash return. Exactly. Sure. That's how you compete. And for us, we have three pillars. And I think this is important when we, we, we look at maximizing a facility or running our facility. Um, the, the first one is the um, outside, not the outside, the, the perceived value, how it looks, right? So when a person walks into that facility, um, the physical asset itself, right? The actual, I guess you would call more real estate portion of it. Um, what's its value? Can we improve that, right? So like we did with Hayden and most of our storage, we come in and we have to put a lot of money into it, make it look nice. The second pillar that we focus on is um, we work more on like the customer experience, which involves like our personnel, our people, right? So our people have, you know, our, we have our brand, they have our their uniform, it looks like a franchise. They come in, there's customer service, and two, we tie that in online. And then the third part is operationally and uh, using revenue management and really focusing on the money, or excuse me, ma the money. That second part is operations, the customer experience, the operations, how we do things, policies, procedures. The third one is the money. So we're looking at inefficiencies, everything from money on the table, like delinquencies, which we have facilities that... Um, it, I mean, delinquencies for me, it's, it's just money that you're not collecting. You earn it. It's exactly you what it is. Just don't collect it. Right. Um, and then you have everything from fees like insurance, um, things like that, to inefficiencies in rate pricing. Um, and trying to include kind of some dynamic pricing, which we've talked about what that is actually i think that was in one of our youtube videos it, if you go to youtube i think we have a whole thing on dynamic pricing mm -hmm. on youtube 
um, which is self-storage income too, but um, what dynamic pricing is. But wh- why don't you kind of talk about what dynamic pricing is? So dynamic pricing is a lot like what you guys see in airlines. So a pa- one passenger pays X for a seat and another passenger pays Y for a seat. And dynamic pricing can be applied to and is applied, that's what we do, to a self-storage facility. So uh, supply and demand can dictate what that rate is for that given unit at that given time, getting the right person into that unit at that given time at the right price. That's that that's all dynamic pricing. Uh, kind of, I want to take a step back real quick and talk a little bit about when you first started with investing in self-storage, AJ, did you, was that your expectation to have a passive investment or did you approach it initially with like, okay, we're going to go in, we're going to manage it ourselves, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. What was initially, like, how did you guys approach it? What were your initial thoughts on it? So um, it was passive. Mm -hmm. Now, I I don't do anything passive in life, but um, (laughs) it it was, generally speaking, we were trying to hedge risk against our other business, um, which was a a cash flow-based business, Um, and diversify into an asset class that was real. And two, wasn't dependent on our work, right? Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that it is by nature passive in that as- aspect because it isn't dependent on my work. Now, any business can become passive, right? But that you can own stock and never even go there, and that's a passive, uh, passive asset. Um, but our business, I, uh, we were in sales, and it was dependent on me selling to make money. And we wanted to get away and break away from that. And that side of it, I view it as very, very passive. So I can work and we can, we have our management team that we build up. We can turn the asset around, we can build it, improve it. And then I can go do the next one. I don't need to be selling units. Um, We have people that can do that. So then that asset to me becomes passive, right? As an owner. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's, you know, but starting out, it was, we were like, oh, we'll get all these little, you know, facilities all over the place, and um, then we'll op- uh, we'll manage those, but it won't take a ton to manage them. We'll just have a couple people or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, but we always wanted performance to be better, times change, and, and we got better. So we built our management company as we learned, as we figured things out. Um, we created our policies and procedures and hired on more people, um, and we wanted to have a franchise look and feel. Uh, mm-hmm. So, But, yes, it was, it was. It was to have some... S- basically passive income. I want, if I wanted to leave for two months, I wanted to be able to leave for two months, right? If I wanted to go in the summers and take my kids to dig wells in Africa or whatever, I wanted to be able to You're do good that, to right? go. Yeah. yeah. And so, and which self-storage, you can achieve that. Did you guys ever consider third-party management? We, we, we actually had third-party management at one of our facilities once. Oh, no kidding. Yes. I had no yep. idea. Yep. And it uh, uh, ended up being... Fifty percent occupied and basically failing. Uh, oh, jeez! It was not good. We um, turned it completely around and sold it. Um, but oh, it, yeah, it was. Yeah, people just don't tend to care about your stuff like you do. Oh, for sure. Yeah, there's there's no two ways about it. And uh, and two, kind of why I was asking that a little bit was is just the scalability aspect and how far we've come and just a few short years 
with that scalability because when you're talking about you know third-party management that might sound really appealing to a lot of people and it can work i mean there's yeah. there's people that do it all the time but uh if you're looking to to scale quickly and to grow and to do everything i mean uh, managing managing it yourself, building out your own teams, building out your own franchise model, everything else is, is absolutely the way to go. Uh, you have, you know the numbers a lot better than I do as far as how many years we've been in business and how many facilities we've acquired over that time period. Uh, if you want to share that a little bit and just give people yeah, an idea of, I mean, of what is accomplishable by owning your own stuff as a part as opposed to doing you know third-party management and and really operating your own business instead of letting somebody else operate it for you well and, and you hit it on the head i mean at the end of the day when you operate your own business when you're buying your own, you are you are forcing wealth creation and income you're doing it you're earning it you're building it right and you make the returns from that but if somebody else is doing it, they're taking their cut, and it's usually huge. And you don't get much say in it, and you're investing in it with maybe other people, third-party manager. Then at the end of the life cycle of that asset, you get paid out, and your return is whatever it is over the period. For us, we scaled over a million square feet, 1.2 million square feet in the matter of six years. Um, and it was through buying underperforming assets, turning around, taking that income, and our new equity buildup from doing that, deploying it back and building and building and building. We could come in, we could do it, um, and then we would create um, our operations because we had the personnel, because we had the name, we had the brand. We understood the metrics. We understood them very, very in-depth, and we could have those people go into those assets and uh, make that change. So after we got to a certain point, it became, with our infrastructure, it became to the point where we could just add one on. We knew exactly how it would perform. We could pop one on, and as long as it's a good deal um, for us and meets uh, what, what, what we're looking for, it's just easy. It's just no problem. So plug for and us, play. Yeah, it's plug and play. It, it sky's the limit. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and, and two, it's just it's awesome what you guys have done over the past few years just with managing it on your own, building out that team. And it, it says a lot about doing that for sure. And uh, it says a lot about this entire episode that we're talking about running this as a business, not this just crazy passive, uh, despite what like the gurus and everybody want to tell you that all real estate investing is like the super passive way to just make mailbox money. I mean, and we've tossed around the, the term operations quite a bit in this podcast, but I mean, in terms of going and plugging and playing and going to a facility and turning it around and doing that value add strategy when we say operations i mean we're talking we're talking hiring firing we're talking training employee training we're talking and, and not only initial training continuing training we're talking um software systems. software systems we're yeah. talking i mean leases oh. laws um sales mm -hmm. we're in selling insurance and services and um, policies yeah, procedures yeah. i mean this is this is absolutely 100% a business. It's not a passive yeah. real estate investment. No, Period. it's not. We don't treat it like it is. Now, once again, you can. And two, um, you try to get it and you're trying to build up so you can create equity and you can create wealth and income. And then, yes, have it become uh, um, passive or, or you're separating your time from your work. I'm a huge believer in that. But when if you're going into self-storage or you have a self-storage facility and you want to improve it, maybe you can't compete 
maybe you're struggling, right? Or maybe you're looking at growing. Look internal. So look and see how do we execute the returns? It's interesting. I ask people, I'm like, what is the value of a customer to you? They're like, well, what size unit? I'm like, doesn't matter. Like, well, you sell 10 by 10s for 100 bucks. No, that's not what I'm asking. Like, what, when you have a customer come in or leave, what's the value of them? What, what, what is the value? It, it, what the value of a customer is, is their total revenue times their time minus their per unit, not actual unit, but um, makeup of the people units, um, uh, uh, equals the long-term value of them. That gives you an actual number, right? So to some people, that number may be $1,500. So customer walks in, on average, the value of that customer to that business, that storage facility is 1500 But then you have another uh, one down the road that that value is 800 And then you have another one up the road that it's 2500 What is the difference between those? And then once you take that over 600 units, the revenue difference is incredibly large. Um, and what's the difference? Well, the difference is simple. Um, most of the expenses in self-storage, they're, you know, it, it's fixed. There's not a lot you can do. So this comes down to buying right. <laughs> but the rest comes down to revenue, um, maximization, and optimization through policies and procedures. So you're trying to get an increase in the revenue and an increase in the length of time that that tenant stays. So if you took um, the revenue between your sign-up fee, your insurance, and your boxes, and whatever else you're giving that person to stay, maybe it's climate controlled, whatever. But if you took them from $80 to $130, that's a nice that's a nice bump. But if you extrapolate that over, let's say, five months that that average tenant stays, that's a big number. Um, and then you do it across, once again, 600 facilities every single month. It's a huge number. And then if you take that number at a six cap, now you're talking millions. Um, For and sure. That's, and you're lowering your expenses at the same time. Yes. That's, you're lowering your expenses at the yeah. same time. And so turning yourself inside and seeing how do I get tenants? What are they worth? So first you want to say, what is a tenant worth to me? Then you need to look at how do I get them and how much does it cost to get, right? So some people don't like marketing because it costs too much. And I'm sitting here going, if, you, if, if your value of your tenant is $1,500 and it costs you $100 per person that you get, well, that's a heck of a deal. Um, right. And uh, you should do that all day long. And so you need to look at how you're getting them. First of all, because there's good ways and there's bad ways, and you can lower your cost and, and uh, who you're getting, because this is another part. Not all tenants are created the same. You want the highest revenue tenants. So um, some tenants will make decisions on price, others locations, and others on quality. You want to go after those highest paid ones so you can increase that revenue once and increase your own demand, bring rates up, bring that revenue up, and get the right tenants that will stay the longest time in, and that increases the long-term value of your or the lifetime value of your your tenant um, and then you have this massive increase in revenues for your facility and that's done by once again attracting selling um, increasing the perceived value um, and operationally making it so you can keep those people there right right and you compound those changes over time and over 
the your facilities and over your customers and everything else. I mean, you're talking massive, massive changes in your in your uh, asset for sure, and uh, in your returns. Um, and I'm I'm gonna plug self storage income YouTube channel because we talk about this exact thing: finding the right customers, attracting the right people, um, how to calculate that lifetime value, um, and figuring out all that stuff. We've got videos all over YouTube that cover all of that in depth and how you guys can, can apply that to your own facilities. You know, it, it's funny, and I kind of want to uh, talk about this real quick before we um, close up this, uh, this podcast because it's a really good one. It's really in depth. But when, when I'm talking to people and they're like, oh, so what books should I read? You know, I'm looking at getting into self-storage. What books should I read uh, um, before I get into self-storage? I'm like, you should read The Warren Buffett Way. And they're like, he talks about self-storage? I'm like, no, 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 no. He talks about value. Um, and once again, he talks about business operations and uh, maximizing value, finding value, buying value, and um, creating value. And that's what it is. That's going to help you way more than, you know, any, uh, any, other, any other book. Um, it's something that, you know, for Cashflow to Freedom, that's our other podcast and, and site that we run. We focus a lot on these wealth-generating gener uh, activities and these income-generating activities. Um, it was that that took us in and saw the opportunity in self-storage that we could make it. So it's not like we were in real estate, oh, you know, I'm going to diversify my real estate assets. Uh, that's not how it worked. Um, and through good business practices and reading good business management books, operational things, um, you can really, really turn around your self-storage facility. And, and not just turn around your self-storage facility, you can find the value and purchase a self-storage facility that has huge potential in it. You can start to see opportunities that you never saw before. Um, and so when people are like, oh, I can't find any deals, I'm like, well, you may have just passed up 10 deals that were amazing deals. You just couldn't see the potential on it. Right. And um, the more you understand the revenue drivers and how to drive that revenue um, and find the right tenants, bring them in and create um, – um, really good policies and procedures to run that that facility, the more you will understand and see the value and can capitalize on it and grow and then scale. 100%, man, 100%. It's all in the value for sure. And if you're not in it, if you're not there, if you're not learning uh, how to spot value, or even if you're not just, if you're just not in the industry and you're not around it, there's no way you're going to be able to spot value and, and where you can bring additional value and make and create that margin for yourself in your own investing. So all good stuff, man. You know, all good stuff. It, and it Solid. is. It's, it's, that's what's so fun. I, I love this. This discussion here is just an awesome discussion. Yeah. yeah it's definitely. fun because there's so much you can do in self-storage. So many other real For estate sure. asset classes, dude. I, I get so bored because I'm like, <laughs> I get it. I get it. I get it. But self-storage, right. all of a sudden, I'm like, wow, there's a lot we can do here. Mm -hmm. because it's a business. So it's not a bad thing. It's, it's a great thing. It's exciting because I believe self-storage is one of the few real estate asset classes that you can actually really make it in because of all these reasons mm -hmm. where I, it's way harder to make it in other, in other real estate businesses and asset classes. No, so. it, it totally makes sense, man. Well, with that said, where can people find all the self-storage knowledge that they need to, uh, to just kill it out there in the game, AJ. So, you know, we're doing we're, – we're, we're really trying to 
archive out subject-based um, uh, videos on YouTube. So self-storage income, and we've just launched it. So, And um, if, if you could, seriously, guys, I can't tell you how much a five-star review and some nice words to us and good words and an email to us at selfstorageincome.com um, on subject. That goes a long way. That tells us that you're liking what you're hearing, yep. that it's useful. Give us subjects to talk about. If you have a question, if you're like, hey, AJ, Connor, I, I, you know, you've mentioned this in a podcast. What's this? We will build a whole entire YouTube video out of it. I'll show you what we're doing inside our facilities. I'll show you when we bought all that. Seriously, reach out to us. We will build out. We'll do podcasts and videos based upon your questions. Um, so online, self-storage income. Um, you can email us. You can go on to I think, uh, Facebook and Instagram, but I, and YouTube's where we're, we're putting out a lot of content beside the podcast. For sure, for sure. So go check it out. Go subscribe. Give us a review. Like the videos. Comment with your questions. Send us emails. All that good stuff. And uh, again, let us know what you guys want. I feel like we're uh, that dude in the notebook. What do you want? What do you want? <laughs> so get at us. Let us know what you guys want. We'll get, uh, like AJ's talking about, we'll get the videos out there, podcasts out there, and uh, get you guys hooked up. Thanks a ton for listening, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Thanks, everybody.